Hey, what's up there, Warrior? It is Jeff from WarriorLife.com, and welcome to podcast episode number 387. Okay, so if you own a gun for personal defense, I don't have to be a psychic to know that you are not doing as much dry fire training at home as you should be. And I'd say that probably about 98% of you aren't doing it at all. Well, I'm about to change all of that by destroying the top five myths that I hear about why most shooters aren't doing dry fire. And I'm gonna give you five quick fixes that will make your at-home training so much more fun and effective, they're gonna have to drag you out of your home tactical range, kicking and screaming. Let's get started. Tactical firearms training, urban survival, close quarters combat, Welcome to the show that helps you better prepare for any threat you may face in your role as a protector and a patriot. This is the Warrior Life Podcast. Hey there, welcome back, Warriors. This is Jeff Anderson, Executive Director of WarriorLife.com and the Warrior Life Academy. Hey, before we get started, I want to give a quick shout out to Shmuhito, who left us a five-star rating on our podcast. And he said, the best compliment that I can pay to Warrior Life is I just finished all 380 podcasts. The podcasts have changed my outlook on life. From learning more about my home state's firearm laws to simply keeping more gas in my car, now that the podcasts are all caught up, I've begun working on lessons in the Warrior Workshop inside the Academy. Thank you for everything. No, thank you, Shmuhito. Thank you. Hey, listen, everybody, if you're loving our podcasts, please go and leave us a badass five-star review wherever you are listening into us. You can find us and subscribe to our channel on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcast fixed from. Okay, on with the show here. I have a confession to make with you to start everything off. When I first joined the Army back in the mid-'80s, it was not because I had some patriotic sense of duty to my country and I was all gung-ho to go and fight some enemy in a far-off land. In fact, back in the mid-1980s, we weren't even at war yet. And for a good part of my early years in the military, all we ever trained for was meeting the Russian Spetsnats on like the European battlefield. Those were the scenarios that we were training for. And being in 10th Mountain Division, we were always in the field. We were always training. We were always walking mile after mile after mile with this gigantic rucksack filled with experimental gear that the military had us test out. We were forced to bring it with us. None of us ever used it. And it seemed like we were always like soaking wet and freezing cold. In other words, it, it just sucked. It sucked. But that was also because there really wasn't a good reason why we were forced to be so miserable. Because again, we weren't at war. And frankly, there wasn't really any expectation that we were going to be going to war. And then I went to war. And then all of a sudden, all those miserable, painful, grueling days of like shredded feet and aching shoulders and my back killing me, nearly frostbit fingers and toes, all that training had a purpose. Its purpose was to keep a bullet out of my ass. Its purpose was to get me safe and sound back home to my wife and kids who were scared to death watching the news and wondering if we were ever going to even see each other again. And I remember that when I came back from my combat tour and became an observer controller and instructor at the National Training Center at Fort Urban, California, my goal there was I had had to train units that were headed over to the Gulf for Operation Desert Shield and Desert Storm because NTC, National Training Center, Fort Irwin, uh, was a desert warfare training center. And as as an observer controller there, 
like everything that happened up to that point really set the stage for me. And most of the guys that I was helping to train had never seen a day of real combat in their lives, except for whatever they saw in like television and the movies. And I took it very seriously to prepare them for what they were going to be faced because I knew as miserable as their three weeks or so of training was going to be with me, the long sleepless nights, MREs plugging up their bowels, freezing their ass off as they're trying to like perform their simulated missions at two o'clock in the morning. It was that sucky experience that could very well be the one thing that got them home alive. The training had a purpose because war was now real and these soldiers knew they were going to be going to battle. Now it was General George Patton who said, he who sweats more in training bleeds less in battle. And I finally understood that quote. And this quote, my fellow warriors, should be printed out and taped somewhere where you can see it every single day as a reminder of what being a warrior, being a protector really means. It's not about talking the talk. It's about walking the walk. It's about the little things that you do that make you better prepared to protect yourself and those you love from any threat that you may face. Because when you face that threat, won't be up to you. Who you face is not going to be up to you. The conditions of the crisis that you face won't be up to you. But what you do now to prepare for that moment, well, that is up to you. Which brings me to this week's podcast topic. Because in a survey that I did, it was quite a while ago now, but I asked our Facebook followers, which are now over a million strong, I asked, how often do you practice dry fire with your handgun? And for those of you that aren't familiar with the term dry fire, um, dry fire is firearms training and practice where you're not using real ammunition, but you're using either an unloaded firearm or some type of replica that allows you to safely practice your handgun skills at home or actually with any gun um, or anywhere outside of the live fire range. Okay, so the answers in that survey ranged from never to every single day. But there was only one single answer that was chosen from that survey from everybody that responded. Literally 100% of everyone who responded chose the answer, not as often as I should. Now, some of you listening right now may have been one of the ones who answered that survey and, and chose that answer. And my guess is that this would probably be the answer of everyone else listening right now as well. And when I followed up and I asked why gun owners aren't putting as much time into the dry fire training as they know that they should be, there were five main responses that I got back. Now, I'm going to share with you these responses now because I'm pretty sure that they're going to sound very familiar to you. Maybe you've even thought of these things yourself or or even said them. But not only am I going to dispel these reasons as myths and misunderstandings that shouldn't be obstacles holding you back, I'm also going to share with you some quick fixes that are going to make you actually want to do more dry fire and have more fun doing it while making it more effective than ever. So with that said, the first dry fire myth that needs busting is that dry fire training isn't as effective as live fire training. So let me ask you, except for those of you who are like police officers and high speed operators who have access to like simunitions and ranges that you can go and do force on force training and fun stuff like you know shooting out of your vehicle and things like that. Does your local gun range allow you to draw from a concealed holster? Does it let you shoot from lying down on the ground? Are you able to run from side to side and duck behind cover and then send rounds down range? 
Can you shoot from around the corner of like the lane next to you? Or can you shoot at the guy's target all the way at the farthest lane away from your lane? So I could go on and on with this, but the fact is that most gun ranges don't allow these types of drills and shooting conditions because they're dangerous. Now, for, for some reason, gun ranges don't like like ambulances showing up at their parking lot and letters from lawyers and things like that. Something about them being bad for business. I don't know. It's crazy. But all of these skills are exactly what you're most likely going to have to face in a real attack where you have to use your handgun and defend yourself whether you're in public or in your home. And all of these skills can be practiced in the safety and the comfort of your home using dry fire training. So not only is dry fire training as effective as going down to the local gun range and shooting real bullets, but it's actually more effective at making you a better shooter. And this is why a lot of expert shooters, both in competition and in in the tactical training world, suggest that as much as 80% of all of your handgun training and your practice should be done using dry fire at home. And the rest of your training is spent at the live fire range, confirming the same skills that you were practicing at home. Now that's going to save you a ton of time and it's going to save you a ton of money as well. All right, myth number two here is that dry fire training is just boring to do. Now, this concept I can actually agree with. If you do dry fire the way that most people start off doing it, which is basically just drawing your weapon over and over again, practicing how to get your gun out of the holster as fast as you possibly can. And that pretty much sums up the entire arsenal of drills that I've seen shooters um, like post online. It's it's all I ever see them, like when they put up videos in like Reddit or, or Facebook and they're... And, it's videos of them doing, like, just drawing their their weapon from their holster over and over and over again. And they want people to kind of check it out and give them feedback. But really, I think it's just so that they can show off all the extra tactical red dots and battle lights and everything that's attached to their pistol. So the answer for this one, though, is to really think outside of the box and make your dry fire training fun to do. That way, you're going to look forward to actually doing it. Now, the best way that worked for me was to designate a specific location in my home and create what I call a tactical funhouse. Now, this is a special dry fire range where I've made up a bunch of targets that do all kinds of things, like from balloons that simulate moving targets to spinners and even targets that have the ability to kind of shoot back at you. So I created a complete video course that actually shows you how to make and use all of these targets. And I'm going to tell you how you can get that course for free here in just a couple of minutes. But first, on to myth number three. That dry fire training isn't realistic because a real gun goes bang and dry fire training doesn't. Okay, so there's a tiny bit of truth to this because there is a difference in realism considering the loud sound of a real gun going off and feeling the recoil from the shot in your hand. Plus, there's just the full understanding that when you pull the trigger on a real handgun and you're shooting a bullet out of there, you're sending a lethal hunk of metal downrange that could potentially kill somebody versus dry fire training where you realize that there's no real harm to anybody when you pull that trigger. However, besides all the reasons that I went over in myth number one about how dry fire can better simulate attack conditions than you can get down at the basically the local live fire range, there are some things that you can do to make your training more realistic when you are doing dry fire training. So first, for the weapon you use for your dry fire, I recommend a few different options. So one, you can get a gas blowback replica of your current handgun. Now, what this is, is it is a, an airsoft gun 
that you can get an, an exact replica. Like I've got a Glock 26 and I've got a, a Glock uh, 17 and a Glock 19, all of them in Airsoft. And you can't really tell the difference holding both of the re- the real gun and the Airsoft gun in my hands. They they are the same weight. They feel the same. They look the same. They've, they're basically an, almost a, a, an exact replica of my real gun. And with a CO2 charge in it, so it takes a you load up the you load up the airsoft gun with CO2, and when you pull the trigger, it uses that CO2 to give you a little bit of kick. So it's gonna that's that compressed air is going to send the airsoft pellet downrange, but it's also going to give you some some kickback on the gun itself. So this is going to give you a little bit of simulated recoil, but it's nowhere near the kick of a real handgun. Still, it's something, right? Now, when it comes to realism, for me, it's the surroundings that you're in that help you make your training more real. In other words, if you're training for defending your family and home invasion, what better range to train in than your actual home where you can turn off the lights, you can walk around your hallways, you can engage targets in your living room, you can practice getting to and defending from your safe room. Get the point, right? Okay. All right, myth number four here is I don't have any time to do dry fire training. So I remember good old Sergeant Kendall Ray Brown inspecting me in formation one morning and telling me that I obviously did not shine my boots for the day. And of course, my my dumbass response was, well, I'm sorry, Sergeant, I didn't have any time to shine them. That's when he asked me, did you sleep last night? And I said, yes, Sergeant then you had time to shine your damn boots, private. Look, the no time excuse is just that. It's an excuse. If you had a crystal ball and you knew 100% that you were going to be attacked at the gas station tomorrow when you filled up your hoopty, I'll bet dimes of donuts that you would find some time to train for that attack today, wouldn't you? Of course you would. And again, You never know when you're going to have to use your weapon to defend yourself. So make the time now to do it because when some meth addict jumps out of the shadows and he hits you over your coconut with a baseball bat while you're taking Fifi out for her nightly tinky poo-poo walk, that is not training time. That is go time. That is life or death time. Now, fortunately for you, science has got your back here because studies have shown that shorter, more frequent training sessions for any skill develops the neural pathways in your brain better than long, drawn-out practice sessions. So that means that you can spend just five minutes or so a couple times a week working on a specific skill, and you're going to see better results than if you'd gone to some like weekend hoorah tactical shooting course. I actually actually recommend that you take like five minutes or so in the morning and knock it out before like you head off to work or wherever you're going because it starts your day with a sense of accomplishment for one, like you get the training done. And if you carry a concealed handgun as part of your everyday carry, it also gives you like a reference for like how you're currently dressed could impact your draw stroke if you were actually attacked. Okay, and finally, the fifth reason that people don't do dry fire training is that they don't know what to do during their dry fire sessions. So there are hundreds, if not probably thousands of things that you can do as drills. And a short online search is going to, you know, you pull up a diff- bunch of different things out there. But one of my favorite resources is my buddy Ox's dry fire training cards because it gives you 52 different exercises that you can pull out and you can use right away. Now, 
I just happen to have a deck right here. And to give you an example, here's one quick drill off of one of the cards. Now we all know that that attacks happen typically like under low light situations because bad guys are looking to use the cover of darkness to be able to get as close to you as possible so that they can ambush you. And people really need to be able to train using their flashlight or, or under low light conditions. This is also one of the things that a lot of ranges don't allow you to do. So this card is called the washout drill from the dry fire training cards. And basically what you do is under low light conditions, you're going to look directly at a lamp or other non-painful light resource for about five to 10 seconds. Then turn out the lights and engage targets using your flashlight. Pay attention to how long it takes your eyes to adjust and whether a brighter flashlight gets you back in the fight faster. So that's all it is. Short, quick, but it's going to be more realistic and it's going to give you something fun to be able to work with for your drills. But wait, that's not all. So for those of you like me with the need to work off those extra Christmas cookies and the mold wine that I soaked down, Ox also has another deck of cards that combines like some simple exercises, physical exercises with dry fire drills as well. And this is good because it also helps simulate a real attack where you, you may be tired from having to struggle with an attacker just to be able to get to your gun. And then you have to engage them with a gun. So these, these cards are a little bit more advanced, but they're really realistic as well. So this one I'm going to pull out here is called the 180 degree transitions. And here's what you do. Set up a target on a wall in front of you. Then set up a target on the wall behind you. Present your inert pistol at the target in front. One dry fire shot. Follow through. Now, jump turn or just simply turn around quickly and engage target number two while maintaining muzzle discipline. Okay, see, very, very simple to do, but these are things you're not going to be able to do down to the local gun local gun range. You're not going to be able to go ahead and do a 180 and shoot at the other, you know, basically shoot out into the the area of uh, opposite where your lane is. But these are things that you can do at home. And if it is a situation like it's home invasion and there's multiple people in your room, you might have to turn around and engage another target right behind you. So again, fun, short, simple, but also realistic and effective. But the real secret to making sure that your dry fire training is really supporting consistent skill development is to assess your own skills and what you have gaps in and then make a plan. The problem, though, that I see a lot of people fall into is in doing the right things right. Because if you're practicing improper gun handling, it's going to reinforce bad habits. So a lot of people call them training scars. And this is where instruction comes into play here. Now, my best advice is to just use Ox's Praxis training system because it literally takes you step-by-step step through all of the skills that you need in order to be an expert shooter. And the system uses an advanced like six-in-one brain-based learning method, and it really shortcuts your skill development. And Ox and I run an online masterclass workshop that shows you how to use his Praxis system and I got to tell you, it blew me away when I first started training with it. It, it, is, it is better than anything else that I've ever used for programmable, consistent, guaranteed like skill development that really is, it's easy enough for anyone to follow you, whether you are a beginner or you're experienced. And it's realistic because it's based upon the analysis of real gunfights to present all of the drills in a way that ties all of the skills that you need together all in one place. In fact, 
I believe in it so much that I'm, I basically bribe people to sign up for the workshop by giving away free access to the Tactical Funhouse video course that I was telling you about. So for a limited time, you can go ahead and get free access to the Praxis Training System workshop that Ox and I do, as well as the Tactical Funhouse video course. It's gonna show you how to build your own at-home gun range that you can use for dry fire, along with all the targets that I've come up with that are super easy to make. So if you're interested in signing up for the workshop and getting access to the Tactical Funhouse course, they're both free, and all you have to do is go to www.praxisclass.com and register for one of the seats there. And that's Praxis Class, P-R-A-X-I-S, C-L-A-S-S, okay? Um, We have had amazing feedback on that class, and I promise you, it will change the way that you train, it will change the way that you shoot, and the results are pretty shocking. And again, you you can check it out for free just by going over to praxisclass.com, and I hope to see you there. Okay, well, that about wraps things up for this episode. So go ahead and hit me up on our blog at warriorlifepodcast.com and let me know what you thought of this episode in the comments section down there and any of your dry fire tips as well. Plus, don't forget to check us out over on the YouTubes over at youtube.com slash warrior and be sure to subscribe and hit that little bell while you're there so you don't miss a single episode. And until our next Warrior Life podcast, this is Jeff Anderson saying prepare, train, and survive. You've been listening to the Warrior Life Podcast. We hope you've enjoyed the show. You can help us spread the mission of self-reliance and self-protection when you rate us. And leave us a comment wherever you enjoy these podcasts. And don't forget to check out our posts and videos on our social media channels. You'll see a full directory when you visit our website at www.warriorlife.com. We'll see you next time. This has been the Warrior Life Podcast. Prepare. Train. Survive.